I'm Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps podcast. In this episode, host Casey Seymour sits down with Chip Nellinger, who regularly provides a commodity market update and insights on how the commodity markets could impact equipment sales. Before we head over to Casey and Chip, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Agra Solutions. Agra Solutions is the market leader in wearable parts, components, accessories, and solutions for tillage, seeding, planting, fertilizing, hardware, and inventory management solutions. Improve performance and durability with a wide range of infield and extended life solutions. To learn more about Agra Solutions and their globally recognized brands such as Belota, Ingersoll Tillage, and Trinity Logistics, visit agrisolutionscorp.com. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Okay, let's get things going. Here's Casey and Chip discussing some recent moves in the commodity market and how the situation in Russia and Ukraine has already begun to impact the global market. Chip Nellinger is with Blue Reef Agri-Marketing out of Morton, Illinois, and she's nice enough to come on once a week to talk about what's going on in the market. So Chip, how are you doing this morning, man? Hey, doing well, Casey, trying to uh, make sense of all this. Crazy crazy time in the world and markets. Yeah, yeah it's uh, definitely crazy. You know, we're looking at the markets this morning, and, you know, wheat's already limited up. Things are just exploding off the chart. I was looking at some local markets here uh, as we were going, and you know, we're looking at you know across the scale nine dollar and fifty cent to nine dollar and forty cent cash prices for wheat. Uh, we're looking at corn right now, uh, right about seven bucks across the scale. Soybeans about fourteen ninety to fifteen bucks across the scale, um, with basis and everything figured into that. So I tell you what, man, this this is uh, this is one of those times like you've talked about a million times on here, Chip. Knowing your plan, working your plan, and executing that plan when when the time comes to do whether whatever it is, if it's an up market or a down market. Absolutely, there's uh, no uh, better example of uh, right now. It's hard to know what to do. What's the next uh, maneuver? How long is this war going to last? What's it going to mean? Uh, you got to have a plan. You know, we've uh, just averaged the uh, highest spring price by about eighty cents that we've ever had for uh, beans on crop insurance going to be the second highest ever uh, for corn, which is at 590. That's a big part of the uh, of the plan as well. And uh, just crazy markets right now. Obviously, it's great uh, from a production standpoint, right? You look out there and uh, everything, as far as you can see, is in uh, wildly profitable territory. But what do you do about that? And, uh, you know, in the same breath, the perfect storms built up, definitely have lost the Black Sea for an indefinite amount of time. Have we lost the Ukraine spring crop, spring planting? Uh, so in the same breath, even though it's wildly profitable, you don't want to give too much up on the table. And so uh, it's hard to know what to do in this environment. Yep. Uh, one article I was reading this morning, you know, it looks like China is buying some, some they look like they've booked five cargoes of uh, soybeans and looks like maybe some corn as well. Yeah, 10 cargoes of U.S. corn. And a lot of that has to do with what's going on in the Black Sea right now uh, in that area of Ukraine and Russia where the, with, the, with the turmoil there. So do you, I mean, this is going to be one of those deals where uh, not only is the supply chain going to be under some pressure because of what's coming out of that area, but you have an entire port area of the world that's a pretty busy port area of the world, especially when it comes to commodities, that is just flat not going to have anything coming in and out of it. Yeah, it's not only funds that are buying this. A lot of times you can uh, give the excuse of, oh, the funds are buying it, the funds are selling it. Yeah, yeah, they have been buying it, but surprisingly, a lot of this is commercial, right? So there's supposedly uh, about 15 million tons of corn that has been uh, purchased 
from Ukraine, but yet to be shipped. Well, obviously, that's not getting shipped out anytime soon. They've got port damage. They've got mines mm-hmm. uh, in some of their ports and obviously a, uh, you know, a, a hot war going on right now in that area. And so end users that were counting on that corn from uh, from Ukraine and other materials, right? It's not just corn. It's all kinds of different raw materials, uh, wheat, uh, uh, barley, uh, sunflower oil, you name it. They're massive exporters of all of that stuff. And so now uh, world end users have to scramble and say, if it's not coming from Ukraine, where is it coming? I got to go somewhere else. I, I, I can't wait. Uh, I need it. I got to buy it. And uh, they're coming to the market. In a lot of cases, that's the futures market uh, that they buy as a hedge in order uh, you know, to lock that in. And then they uh, you know, worry about where is this coming from? Where is it going to come from? Obviously, uh, South America, if they can. Those premiums are rising for beans. They've had a drought situation. They kind of broke that drought here recently with some great rain. Uh, their second crop corn still three, four months away from uh, hitting the market. And uh, so we're going to be one of the prime benefactors of any short run switching. Uh, you know, it's going to come here to the United States for sure on corn, uh, beans, uh, any soy oil as a substitute for, uh, you know, missing uh, sunflower oil and potentially wheat. And I think the wheat market shows it best as to what's going on you know limit up yesterday expanded limit up overnight uh you know what's that a dollar and 35 cents higher in uh, basically 24 hours here in the wheat market as everyone scrambles to uh, make adjustments yep i think that was one thing that caught the world off guard there a little bit when you look at what's happening there is i don't think people truly understood how much commodity markets stuff came out of out of the Black Sea area, whether that's Russia, Ukraine, Turkey, wherever that might be. All those things are all so uh, the amount of stuff that came out of there, you know, like iron ore, you know, like you talked about uh, sunflower oil. That's one of the they're one of the largest producers of sunflower oil to go to you to the, uh, the veggie oil market across the world. I mean, so this is a, even if it ends tomorrow uh, and things get, you know, they stop and everyone goes back to where they, you know, to their prospective countries and everyone's back to the way it was. This is still a long way out from having any kind of clarity as to what the market's going to do and how it's going to react. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, estimations right now that I've heard uh, is if the, if the war stopped today, 45 to 60 days at a minimum before those ports are back open, that seems actually uh, aggressive to me. You know, all the people have left, they've scattered other parts of the, of the world, all the workers over there, port workers, uh, you know, a lot of foreign workers, a lot of foreign uh, companies that uh, had operations there in the Black Sea. And, um, you know, so <laughs> it's going to be a long time. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the worst case scenario is have we, and we don't know this yet, have we lost any uh, spring planting? Have we lost any acreage? Are going to be able to get their crop in the ground this spring? You know, there's roads blown up, bridges blown up, uh, railways blown up. You know, obviously, um, planting a crop is not the first thing on their mind right now. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a ways out, but it's not that far out. And um, that would be the worst case scenario. And I think that's what the market, the wheat market especially, is responding to. Um, but you mentioned earlier, I, I didn't realize this either. And I don't have the list in front of me, but um, I, I saw a list of all the things, the rankings of Ukraine in not just agricultural products, but all kinds of different products. It is yeah. one of the richest countries uh, in the world on, you know, dozens of things. You mentioned iron, oil, steel, mm-hmm. uh, it just unbelievable amounts of mineral. 
you know, deposits there, obviously agricultural products, industrial products. It's not just ag. I mean, the world is going to feel uh, this pinch as long as this uh, war goes on. And uh, so let's hope that uh, comes to a quick resolution. Uh, that's a whole different uh, story, right? A little disappointing uh, Last night uh, in the State of the Union, you know, a lot of people uh, have the plan. It's going to cause a little bit of a pain. He choke his oil exports off. Uh, he'll be in the ground uh, with a hole in his head from his inner circle within 90 days. But uh, we just don't seem to uh, want to do that. We want to drive electric cars here and not pump more, uh, more oil. So, unfortunately... Uh, he gets uh, the benefit of $114 crude oil right. to, to wage war with. Electric cars are great. And I, I think that's a, that's a great part of our energy solution, 100%. Until you have the infrastructure to support, you know, 30 million, 40 million, 100 million electric cars running around the, uh, the countryside, um, you, you kind of have to rely on the old playbook until you get that built up. We'll get back to Casey and Chip in a moment, but first I wanted to pause to thank our sponsor, AgriSolutions. To learn more, visit agrisolutionscorp.com. Now back to Casey and Chip as they continue their discussion about how the oil sector and natural gas are being impacted. What's going on right now in the oil sector? It's sad to say the least, I guess is the best way to put that. We we still are one of the largest oil producing countries in the world, if not the largest oil producing country in the world by by day, um, by the amount of barrels produced in a day. But um, when you look at, like you just what you said, um, for us to ramp up and get, you know, to, to offset this, you know, five or six million barrels of oil a day uh, that, that Russia produces, um, that, that they're not producing right now, and for us to get back online to go from 11 million barrels a day to 13 or 14 million barrels a day, which we can do, um, it's going to take us, you know, six to nine months to make that happen from all everything that I've read and seen. So to your point, exactly. I mean, here we are. We got a guy that that is waging war on a country and he, he's still getting paid by people that he's, you know, for natural gas and those kind of things that are. I don't know how you put it, man. I mean, it's just he's still pumping natural gas in Ukraine. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's just. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. It's the most. It's my. It's, it's mind boggling. It's just. It is. It is mind boggling. And and you know, not and that's not just the United States. It's like the whole. Uh, <laughs> there's a whole small minority segment of the world that just uh, lost their rocker. You know, yeah. I, I read that even as of Friday, this past Friday, that um, Germany had six nuclear reactors left. Yep. They were one of the biggest uh, producers of nuclear uh, energy. Uh, three of the six they took offline Friday, just, you know, as regularly scheduled, we're going to do with with uh, nuclear energy. You know, I, I mean, it is mind-boggling. Uh, the world could fix this. I say easily. Yep. It's an easy fix. It's a hard fix. But, you know, if you think back to World War II, some of the sacrifices that, uh, you know, our parents, grandparents made, uh, you know, yeah, energy prices that shoot up in the short run, but uh, we would fix this thing uh, in Ukraine. The world would be a, a better place. Uh, it would change, uh, in my mind, uh, for the good uh, for a long time. We just, you know, refuse, refuse to do it. Yeah. Uh, and it, I'm not saying it'd be easy, you know, uh, yeah. particularly for Europe. Yeah. You know, their gas prices are going up. But, you know, I'm not a military strategist, but uh, if I was going to do what uh, Putin did, I probably would have done it about three months ago going into winter, not coming out of winter. It would have caused, you know, some more some more issues uh, potentially if it were three months earlier. But, 
you know, again, I'm not a, I'm not a general. Yeah. And that, you know, the natural gas thing, that's another thing too. I mean, we've got these rock skyrocketing, um, fertilizer prices natural gas is the primary component of anhydrous so i mean you start looking at that and what they're doing in it's just i don't know we do a whole podcast on just this topic so <laughs> i know i got i got on a uh, on a tangent <laughs> yeah so we'll, we'll save that for another day but there's just plenty of plenty of opportunity there to like you said it, you just take take the oil off the swift account or all the uh, oil transactions off of swift and all of a sudden it's a whole different whole different ball game so um uh, it would be we'd be we'd have to uh turn our uh you know turn the thermostat down drive a little bit less uh, throw a blanket on extra blanket on at night uh we'd get through it because I, I truly believe if we if we banned his or if the world came together banned his oil and his gas 90 days yeah there's a there's a new leadership regime it may not be much better uh, but it sure would be different and uh, he'd be gone, and you wouldn't have to worry about him anymore because he would uh, be in a hole somewhere in Siberia. Yep, and uh, yeah, and that's that's a that's a good point. But th- the sad part of that too is now you've got you got China on the other side, and they'll say, yeah, whatever the world doesn't buy, we'll buy. So that's cool. We'll take everything too. So it's yeah, the whole that's, again, that's a whole another podcast that we can do. It is. All by itself. It is. All right, let's jump down and talk about what's going on in the cash hog marketplace. Uh, hog market still is interesting. Some great indexes there. there things are um, climbing um, all across the board, whether it's cutouts or whether it's uh, it's uh, you know cash hogs going to market. So I guess as you look at that, Chip, what are your thoughts there with the hog market as we move forward? You know, we had a correction that was probably uh, probably much needed after a $30 straight up run. Uh, in the hogs, we we had a nice uh, seven eight dollar correction. The market shot up uh, higher uh, yesterday, uh, you know two seventy higher in the in the Aprils, three thirty five higher in the June. Uh, some news uh, there over the weekend that uh, China wanting to uh, rapidly expand pork supplies, uh, supposedly out of their own uh, stocks, uh, but nonetheless that's you know bullish as they've been and continue to be. Uh, small buyers uh, in the past, they've been massive buyers of U.S. pork. They continue to be in there for, you know, small amounts uh, almost on a weekly basis of, of U.S. pork. So uh, that was a good a good sign. And I think the other thing is uh, we've talked about this. Even the cattle, um, you know, kind of stabilized and traded higher yesterday as as corn and wheat and, and soy meal scream higher. Eventually, that will have to drag along the livestock market. Uh, as well. And I think you're starting to see some of the effects of, of that as well, especially in the hog market. Yeah. All right. Let's jump over and talk about what's happening in the beef marketplace. Um, it's a slow reaction. You're starting to see some slowdown in that market, obviously with the price of oil, that's a good indicator as to what you see happening in the, in the cattle complex as, as price of oil goes up, the price of cattle usually comes down. But as you look at the cattle market, what are your thoughts there? Well, uh, you know, kind of similar to what uh, we just talked about. The feeder market uh, obviously uh, has been pressured with these uh, sharply higher corn prices that you've seen over the last uh, week or two. Uh, eventually, the, the, the live cattle market, the fat cattle market have, has stabilized. So that is one way to adjust to these higher feed costs. Uh, you know, you put a little more, mar- more margin back in the feeding side of it with feeders going lower and the live cattle kind of stabilizing in here. I think the other thing is eventually if corn keeps going, it, it will stabilize the feeders as well. And even, uh, you know, the last two times, 08, 2012, 
that this happened, some massive rally in the grains. Uh, it, it just drags the whole livestock. Otherwise, margins compress too much uh, and you're forced with a lot of liquidation. So the market can't have that happen. Um, not that it won't happen to some extent, but uh, at, a, at a certain level, you know, feed, even feeders uh, will respond to higher corn prices by being being drug higher. So, you know, the cash market's holding together well. The box beef has, uh, you know, has has broken pretty significantly uh, over the last, uh, say, month, six weeks. Seems like it's stabilized. Even though box beef broke and cash cattle rallied, there's still massive margins there, massive profitability for packers. I think things are uh, in, in, in pretty good footing here. Um but obviously, you know, we're sitting there, uh, you add basis on and, you know, you're probably over $8 uh, corn in the Southern Plains. And so this thing uh, is, is not all uh, roses from a livestock feeding perspective, especially. Yeah. All right, Chip, good stuff as usual. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about, you know, what you're doing over there at Blue Reef and uh, playing like we just talked about. We opened up with working that plan, understanding that plan making adjustments to that plan and, and, and moving forward with what the actionable items of that plan are uh, wicked important right now. So, man, so as you take a look, you know, what's the best way folks to get a hold of you and what you're doing over there at Blue Reef? Yeah, best way is just, uh, just call our office. And uh, that number is 309-550-7213. Love to chat with you and uh, just kind of give you our take on a uh, few things you might uh, want to keep at the, uh, you know, top of your list here in this type of market environment. Right on. Okay. Well, Chip, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Casey. It's always uh, always a pleasure, and uh, you know, it seems like every every week we talk, it just gets crazier and crazier. Yes, it does for sure. So, I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is where you find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, go to movingironllc.com. Give that a check out. I get I just posted a new blog up there, and uh, the blog's about taking a look at the at the planter market and kind of where it's where it started out in 2012 and 2014 through the big the big purge and then you know where we're at now and kind of some of my reactions of the planter market moving forward so check that out uh, it gets a good read uh, and there's a lot of a lot of information in there that that took me a while to to find so i think there's a, a good opportunity there to kind of if you're looking at buying a planter or, or in the in the market of selling a planter take a look at that and and, and get my two cents there and and go from there so um also you can find all the information for the moving iron summit coming up in nashville tennessee that's september 6th 7th and 8th um all the information is on the moving iron or on the moving iron llc website at moving iron llc.com and uh, you just go in there and sign up and uh we'll get you registered and uh we'll see you guys in september so with that i'm casey seymour with chip nellinger let's go with some iron folks thanks casey and chip and thank you to agri solutions for sponsoring this podcast you can keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey and Chip, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.